Hello, everybody, and welcome into episode number 124 of the Bible 2021 podcast. We are reading Matthew chapter 22 today, and our focus is on marriage in heaven and the most important command in the Bible. So you know the drill. We're a 10-minute daily podcast where we dig into God's Word one chapter at a time. Today we're in the New Testament. Tomorrow and the next day we're in the Old Testament. I do want to ask you to, if you have a chance, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. That's a great way to reach other people. And our goal is to get as many people as possible reading the Word and following the Word. So Eric Clapton, back in my day, famously and accurately, as it turns out, sang a haunting song about how there will be no tears in heaven. He's exactly right about that. No tears in heaven at all, though I don't normally think we should get our theology from song lyrics. What about marriage? If you're married now, will you be married to your spouse in heaven? Or is there marriage in heaven? Well, here's the thing. It does not appear to be the case that marriage will be a thing at all in heaven. In a very short statement in today's passage, in verse 30, Jesus says, In the resurrection, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. Now, this is, like I said, a very short statement of Jesus, and I don't believe he elaborates on it anywhere else, but it does seem that marriage will not be an institution in heaven. Thus, the famous marriage line, till death do us part, is pretty accurate. Though love is eternal and unending, marriage is a temporary state on the earth. If marriage is a good thing, and of course it is, then why won't there be marriage in heaven? Well, I have a theory, but first let's hear from gotquestions.org on their answer to that question. Why won't there be marriage in heaven? They write, most likely there will be no marriage in heaven simply because there will be no need for it. When God established marriage, he did so to fill certain needs. First, he saw that Adam was in need of a companion. Genesis 2.18 says, The Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Eve was the solution to the problem of Adam's loneliness as well as his need for a helper, someone to come alongside him as his companion and go through life by his side. In heaven, however, there will be no loneliness, nor will there be any need for helpers. We will be surrounded by multitudes of believers and angels, says Revelation 7-9, and all our needs will be met, including the need for companionship. I think I agree with their reasoning, and I would add this to it. I believe the closest human relationship one can have is marriage. In marital intimacy, the two become one flesh. In heaven, however, it is my theory, it's only speculation, that all of our relationships will be close, closer even than marriage. And those relationships won't be close with just one person, but perhaps many people. 1 Corinthians 13 speaks of us living in an era of partial knowledge and seeing through a murky glass in our current condition, but looks forward to a day upon the return of Jesus when we will know fully and be fully known. Now, certainly the fullest meaning of that passage concerns our relationship with God, but I also think, again, speculation, that we will know each other better and deeper and be more fully known by each other as well. There will be no loneliness in heaven nor any holding back of our true and authentic self. We will know each other, I believe, and be fully known by each other. Perhaps that, or I don't know, some of the reason I can't, can't even begin to fathom, will be why we don't have marriage in heaven. Well, let's go ahead and read our passage and then we will discuss the single most important biblical command. Matthew chapter 22, verse 1 in the Christian Standard Bible. 
Once more Jesus spoke to them in parables. The kingdom of heaven is like a king who gave a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to summon those invited to the banquet, but they didn't want to come. Again, he sent out other servants and said, Tell those who were invited, See, I've prepared my dinner. My oxen and fattened calf have been slaughtered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they paid no attention and went away, one to his own farm, another to his business, while the rest seized his servants, mistreated them, and killed them. The king was enraged, and he sent out his troops, killed those murderers, and burned down their city. Then he told his servants, The banquet is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. Go then to where the roads exit the city and invite everyone you find to the banquet. See, so those servants went out on the roads and gathered everyone they found, both evil and good. The wedding banquet was filled with guests. When the king came in to see the guests, he saw a man there who was not dressed for a wedding. So he said to him, Friend, how did you get in here without wedding clothes? The man was speechless. Then the king told the attendants, Tie him up hand and foot and throw him into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are invited, but few are chosen. Then the Pharisees went and plotted how to trap him by what he said, so they sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians. Teacher, they said, We know that you are truthful and teach truthfully the way of God. You don't care what anyone thinks, nor do you show partiality. Tell us then... What you think? Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Perceiving their malicious intent, Jesus said, Why are you testing me, hypocrites? Show me the coin used for the tax. And they brought him a denarius. Whose image and inscription is this? He asked them. Caesar's, they said to him. Then he said to them, Give then to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God's the things that are God's. When they heard this, they were amazed. So they left him and went away. That same day, some Sadducees, who say there is no resurrection, came up to him and questioned him. Teacher, Moses said, If a man dies having no children, his brother is to marry his wife and raise up offspring for his brother. Now, there were seven brothers among us. The first got married and died. Having no offspring, he left his wife to his brother. The same thing happened to the second, also in the third, and so on to all seven. Last of all, the woman died. In the resurrection, then, whose wife will she be of the seven? For they all had married her. Jesus answered them, You are mistaken, because you don't know the scriptures or the power of God. For in the resurrection, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. Now concerning the resurrection of the dead, haven't you read what was spoken to you by God? I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. When the crowds heard this, they were astonished at his teaching. When the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they came together, and one of them, an expert in the law, asked a question to test him. Teacher, which command in the law is the greatest? He said to him, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and most important command. The second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets depend on these two commands. While the Pharisees were together, Jesus questioned them, What do you think about the Messiah? Whose son is he? They replied, "Hmm, David's? He asked them, How is it then that David, inspired by the Spirit, calls him Lord? The Lord declared to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. If David calls him Lord, how then can he be his son? No one was able to answer him at all, and from that day no one dared to question him anymore. So the greatest question ever asked by a human being was surprisingly asked by a Pharisee. Credit where credit is due. Here it is in today's passage. Teacher, which command in the law is the greatest, he said to him. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. 
This, says Jesus, is the greatest and most important command. The second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. So the most important command is to wholeheartedly love God first and foremost, and second, to love our neighbor as ourselves. Our neighbor who is just like us and our neighbor who is very different from us. Our Republican neighbors and our Democrat neighbors, our Alabama neighbors and our Auburn neighbors, our Manchester City neighbors and our Manchester United neighbors, our Shaheen neighbors and our Men in Blue neighbors. These commands are in their proper order. Loving our neighbor is important, but the greatest command is first and foremost to love God wholeheartedly. Here's David Platt to help us go deeper on this greatest command. So number one, love the Lord. Love the Lord. This is the first command, and it's the primary command from God to his people. Love the Lord. You shall, this is a command, you shall love the Lord God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. So from the very, very beginning, we see that God intends to relate to his people on the basis of love. We are to love God more than we love our wife or our husband, more than we love our kids, our grandkids. More than we love our job, our home, our possessions, our achievements, our reputation, our safety, or our security. We are to love God more than we love our own life. And Jesus tells us in the New Testament that this commandment, which Platt is quoting out of Deuteronomy, is the first and greatest commandment. So do you love God? Wherever you're sitting, do you love God? Wherever you're listening to this, not do you love his gifts, because God has given many, many gifts to us. But if we're not careful... We all fall into the temptation of loving those gifts more than we love the giver. And God knew this would be a temptation for his people, the Israelites, and for us today. Amidst his promises of these things, he's going to give the Israelites in Deuteronomy, descendants, lands, blessing. He knew they would be tempted to get focused on those things in such a way that they would forget him. So, dear Christian person of God, your priority and my priority is to be a wholehearted lover of God. That is first, that is greatest, that is most important. Let's meditate on that as we close out with the great commission of Jesus from Matthew 28, 18 through 20, our Bible memory verse for the month of May. Jesus came near and said to them, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Amen. Dear friends, may the Lord bless you and keep you. Good day to you and Godspeed.